And everyone said, Amen. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil and put darkness for light and light for darkness. I'm going to speak tonight on the great delusion. I want just every one of you can to take a moment, and I suppose I particularly feel the need to say that for those of a generation that are coming up behind us, uh, when I say that I probably mean around the 30 or under, around that they are more influenced with the spirit of this age than any other generation that has been before. They're more influenced with the spirit of the age and with all the activity through every type of means to influence them in a particular way. And so I'd ask even for the younger ones around that age group, if you like, to just think about the Word of God and to consider what is being said and see if you can see and understand and grasp. And also you may even be able to identify that you're coming into contact with the spirit of the age. The word delusion, the word delusion means something that is believed to be true or real, but that it is actually false or unreal. I want to say that again. The word delusion means something that is believed to be true or real, but that it is actually false and unreal or untrue. You know, just a couple of weeks ago, um, when I went to see one of the back men, and uh, I was lying on the, his couch, as it were, in the wee hole in the middle, you put your head in, and we just started talking. I knew I was going to be there for a wee bit of time, and he began to work and talk, and just general chat, man is not saved, lovely man, genuine, a genuine man, a sincere man, and we began to talk about the world, what's happening. He began to ask the question, what's going, what, what's going on? What are you again? Right, okay. What are they? Right, okay. So what do you think's happening? He says, you see, I can't understand that he's a man probably mid-50s or so. He says, I can't understand what's happening. Something's wrong. I don't understand it. I can't, I can't really grasp it. But do you, do you know what's happening? Something doesn't sit right. I brought up in a world like, he says, like yourself, he says, and we seen things and we understood things. We had a general idea whether you were saved or you weren't saved. There was a general moral compass in society that we knew that was right and this was wrong. And that's the way we lived. And he says, something terrible has gone. Do you know what, what's happened? And, and I believe it was the Lord. I just said this verse that we have just read tonight. I said, you know, there'll come a time John, when they'll call evil good, and they'll call that which is good evil. Well, there was a, there was a, a reaction, like a major reaction, not in a negative way, but in a positive way. He says, could you say that again? And I attempted to say the verse again while he's <laughs> driving his fist hard into my back, and I said it with the best way I could say it, with a few groans on the way through, but... I managed to get through it, and I says, John, 
There'll come a day when they'll call that which is evil good and that which is good evil. And then he said, would you say it again? He says, I've never heard anything like that, but that is exactly where we are. That makes sense. I can understand what you're saying. I'm being told that I'm this and that and the other for believing what I was brought up in. And I'm called names, I'm called a bigot, I'm called this, that and the other. And every type of phobia that I'm supposed to have, but something's wrong. And what you've just said is exactly what's happened. I says, John, that's the great delusion. There's going to come a day when men will call evil good and good evil. They believe something to be true and actually it's a lie. But yet they'll believe it and they'll passionately believe it. In Ephesians chapter 2, if you want to follow these verses tonight, I'm going to go quite slow just to go through God's word. I want to show you tonight what's happened from God's word, where we are, how we've come here, where we're going, and what we need to do. In Ephesians chapter 2, we read the, the, the wonderful revelation. Paul is speaking to the church, those that have got saved, and he's expressing to them what has happened, what it is to be born again, what it is to become a Christian. And Paul talks about this new life in Christ. And he says in Ephesians 2, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. A miracle has happened in your life. You were dead spiritually. And by the grace of God, with faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you've been quickened by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you're no longer dead, but you've been made alive by the Holy Ghost. And then he talks about our past life. There's a past with the, with the believer. We were, as, as 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, we are new creatures in Christ and all things pass away and behold, all things become new. There's a change in our lives. And so Paul says, now this is what we used to be. Verse 2, Were in time past ye walked according to the course of this world. This world has a course that it's on. And you walked according to that course. According, then he goes further and says, according, listen carefully, according to the prince of the power of the air. You walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the earth. Now he's speaking not just about a course that you're on or a direction. Now he's taking us further to say that that direction is according to the prince of the power of the earth. That prince of the power of the earth is the devil, not Satan. Then he says these words, the spirit that now worketh, there is a spirit that is working in the children of disobedience. So that is what we once walked and lived in as, as unregenerate men and women, and then we're saved by the grace of God. But Paul's reminding us of what way we used to live. If you're not saved tonight, Paul's saying, you're dead in your sins. You're going to the course of this world, the direction of this world, onto the prince of the power of the earth, the spirit that is working in the children of disobedience. There's a spiritual warfare. If you turn over in the second Thessalonians, sorry, and chapter 2, I want to talk just a little bit to show you what is happening from God's Word. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 10. And in this chapter, this great chapter, we're in the context of it. We'll not go through the whole chapter, but we are speaking about the Antichrist. 
Remember, there's the spirit, the course of this world, the spirit that is working in the children of disobedience. And here, this chapter is given over to the spirit of the Antichrist. And in particular, we know that that spirit is the spirit of lawlessness that has been at work, that is at work, and there's a manifestation of that Antichrist spirit in the last days, which we know that's what's happening. That's what's taking place. Now, the spirit of lawlessness will work after the working of Satan, Paul says, with all power and signs and lying wonders. Lying wonders. People will believe something that is a lie actually to be true. We believe this. You're standing saying, you really believe that? And you know it's a lie, but they'll believe it because it's spiritual. And so in particular, I want to draw your attention to the work of the Antichrist in the unrighteous, in the world, in those that are not saved. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 10 says these words, and this is the working of the Antichrist spirit, that with all deceivableness, now see the word deceivableness, that is the word delusion. To believe something to be true, that is actually a lie. That's a delusion. It's a spiritual. That with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, this is the work of the Antichrist. And here's what's important to understand what's happened. That they received not the love of the truth, They don't want the truth. They've received not the love of the truth. What is truth? As we've looked at it for a number of weeks, truth is God's word. So we don't want this truth. We don't want to hear about the Bible. We don't want to hear about God. We don't want to hear about your God anymore. We want to remove God from every aspect of our society, from education, from the medical field, from politics, from courts, from everywhere We don't want to hear about your God. We are rejecting the love of the truth. That they might be saved, so we don't want to hear that. Verse 11, this is what happens. This is what is happening. Verse 11 says, because then they reject the truth and the love of the truth, because there's a rejection of truth, I want you to listen very carefully. It says, and for this cause, for this cause, God shall send them a strong delusion. What is delusion? That to believe something that is a lie to be true. That they should believe the lie. That they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Something dramatic. Something dramatic has happened in our society, in our generation. Something profound. We cannot underestimate it. I don't believe in any way that it's a light thing. Something dreadful has happened in the space of a generation. That we have moved. Our moral compass has been so distorted in a generation. And there is a rejection of the love of the truth. And now people believe a lie rather than believe the truth. Why? Because they've rejected truth. The rejection of truth is a rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is truth. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so a rejection of him is a rejection of truth. Where does that lead us? 
Where does society go when they reject God, turn away from God, remove God from every aspect of our society? Where then does our society begin to go? The course of the world, the spirit that's working in the children of disobedience, the spirit of lawlessness, the antichrist spirit that's rising all around us. Where then is the bottom of all of this? What we're seeing now is the moral values, even a generation ago, it wasn't just that, you know, an ordinary man knew and understood a generation ago what was right and wrong. He may not have been a Christian, but he knew that's right and that's wrong. He knew there was, there was, a, there was a standard. Why is that? Because God has created man and there's a sense of what is right and wrong. How many people know that it's wrong to kill someone? We know that's wrong, right? We, I mean, we know that's true. It's wrong to take someone's life. How many people know that it's wrong to tell a lie? Whether you're saved or not, that's wrong to, to tell a falsehood. How many people know that it's, that it's wrong to steal, to take something that doesn't belong to you? There's a moral compass in man that knows what's right and what's wrong. But that compass is being eroded and a delusion is coming. It's wrong to kill unless it's a rights issue. Now here's the delusion. It's wrong to kill unless it's a rights issue. If it's a rights issue, then it's not wrong to kill. Do you see the subtlety of where we're going? Let me take it very clearly for you where we're going. So it's wrong to kill someone, but if it's a mother who does not want to have the baby, then it's right for her to kill the baby. It's called abortion. It's wrong to kill someone, but if someone is in a position where they have no uh, quality of life, then we would be better. What would we be better doing? We'd be better to take their life. It's called euthanasia. So what's next? It's better to kill someone if maybe they don't have mobility, a disability, whether an inconvenience, whether there's whether they're taking too much time up and money for the health service, it's better then for us to take the and eliminate those people from our society because no longer is it an issue of what's right and wrong, but it's now an issue of what's our rights. It's called human rights. Anyone heard about human rights? Can I tell you something, and I, I do always want to testify of this, not for any other reason, but just to let you know, when I hear all of this conversation, I can remember when Nikki gave birth to that 20-week-old year, 20-week twenty week old baby, and the wee nurse brought that wee baby in a shoebox. Could I tell you something, friend? It was a baby. You hear me? It was a baby, and I'm offended. I'm offended when someone says it's the right of a mother. The moral compass of our world is because there's a strong delusion that has come. Why? Because there's a rejection of truth. That truth is Jesus Christ. Where or how has this come? But a generation ago, 30 years ago, there was a very strong push that came in uh, across most of our society, but particularly through our education system on our university campuses. You might remember 
uh, a time ago there was a, a campaign, a very strong campaign by atheists that uh, stated that uh, there's probably no God. Anyone remember that? I think it was about 20 years ago. There's probably no God, so stop worrying and enjoy your life. And this was on the buses of, I think it was particularly over uh, in the capital of London that they would run this campaign. There's a campaign that has been infiltrating the places of education that is going to have a profound effect if the Lord tarries in every fabric of our society because what's coming out of our universities are our doctors, our teachers, our politicians, our medical, all it's all coming through in the university. And so the infiltration of their by largely the theory of evolution. Now, now it's just ridiculous that people would believe. I don't know about you, but it's just, I can't believe that someone would believe this stuff. You for, now, I know you might be doubtful about some people, but that you came from a monkey? I mean, come on. But this, this is taught as fact. You know, we're following the science. Really? When did this all start? Well, this started, we believe it started, they'll tell you, from the last universal common ancestor that we had. That was 3.5 billion years ago, but it could be 3.8. We're not sure. We're 300 million years sort of around there. Really? And this is taught as fact. And now the education system has bought the lie. What is the whole purpose of the teaching of the, uh, the theory of evolution and all these rights people that force it and proclaim it. It's not to do with evolution. Do you know what it's to do with? We want to remove God from our knowledge. If we can get God out of this, if we can produce some lie that everyone will believe, if we can get that to infiltrate our education system and all our universities and all our schools, if we can get this pumped in the kids and we can dilute them with all of this nonsense, this lie and a rejection of the truth, what the purpose of it is, the Antichrist purpose of it is, take God out of the equation. We don't want God. What happens then? Well, I want to show you what happens in Romans chapter 1. And I believe this is where we've come to. Romans chapter 1, this is what the Bible says. This is truth. Romans chapter 1 and verse 20. Romans chapter 1 and verse 20. Listen to these words. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Praise the Lord, he's the creator. We have a creator, God, by Jesus Christ. And all of this is clearly seen. It's clearly seen. Get away down to Newcastle, stand there, get yourself a wee cup of tea or a wee cappuccino and just look at the Mourn Mountains and behold the beauty of God's creation. Lie out in the garden like George and Matthew did last night, uh, George and Luke did last night on our front lawn, said, Dad, we lay there, it was a clear night, and we watched the shooting stars go by. Rather them than me, but it must have been a beautiful night. That's why they fell asleep in church this morning. 
but they enjoy the beauty of God's creation. To behold the creation of God. He made all of that. Look up, get your head up out of all the nonsense and just look for a moment at the creation of God. See the beauty of God in all the hills and all the countryside and all the glory of his creation. God made that. God put that together. And that's been designed. He's the architect. He's the builder. He's the author. He's the finisher. And it was made all by him. Creator. Jesus Christ is God. Behold what he made. Even his eternal power and Godhead. So that they are without excuse. There is no excuse. People say, well, what about people on the other side of the world that they never heard? Listen, a man can walk out their door, whether it's of a, a humble shed or whether it's a shack or whether it's a mansion. But if he looks across this globe and he looks at the glory of creation, there's a creator. Someone made that. There is a God. Because not when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were they thankful but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise. They became fools. And you listen to the great debaters and the philosophers of this world, and sometimes I'll listen to their arguments. There was one particular man, he's dead and gone now, his name was Christopher Hitchens. Anyone ever heard of him? One of the leading campaigners, one of the what they call the great atheists of this day. And the arguments and the, and the fervency and, and the ability to communicate what he believed, yet you're looking at him and, and these children can see the glory of God, but this man's mind has been blackened and darkened and he's driven by the spirit of this age. And he believes he's wise, but he's a fool. The Bible says the fool has said in his heart that there's no God. And he couldn't see it. Are you glad that your eyes are opened? Are you glad that you're saved tonight? You hear Richard Dawkins? I pray for that man and all his venom and all his bitterness and all his intellectualism and all his argument. But if God opened that man's mind and illuminated his heart with the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, what a witness that would be to the world. That's just my thought. But he's so darkened. Because he's filled with education and intellectualism. But this is what the Bible says. It's vain in their imaginations. Their heart is dark and they profess themselves to be wise. But they've become fools. And the fool has said in their heart, there is no God. Corrupt are they and have done abominable iniquity. There is none that doeth good. Verse 24 in Romans 1 says, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness. Look at the progression of where we are going. I want you to see it tonight from God's word. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. He changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. In verse 26 it says this, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. Shameful. Shameful. That's what that word means. Vile means shameful affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men working with that which is unseemly receiving in themselves that recompense 
of the error that was made. You know, I hear people saying, it's just open for interpretation what the Bible says about homosexuality. There is no interpretation. The Bible's clear. There is a progression where we are sinking deeper and deeper into darkness and into sin and into depravity. As the delusion comes and the give up takes place, there's a giving up. God begins to give up. The Bible says that my spirit shall not always strive with men. I know that this might sound like a strong message. I'm not trying to be mean or hard on anyone. What I'm trying to say is in that, in that, in that whole course of this world, when the, when the tidal wave is all going in one direction, that there is truth in this. It's maybe not popular, but we're not being mean or hard on anyone. There is truth, and the truth sets you free. The truth sets you free. You don't have to live under the spirit and the course of this world and be driven by the influence of this world. You can be free. They said probably there is no God, so go and enjoy your life. They would acquit. They're saying probably, I wonder, that was strange, probably, because they're not sure. And then they try to equate that with that you can enjoy your life without God. Can I tell you something? There's no life better to live in a life with Jesus. There's no joy that this world can give than the joy that Jesus gives. It is a joy unspeakable and full of glory. It is a peace in your heart. It is a happiness that only God can, not what the world gives. They'll wake up tomorrow with a hangover. But praise God, we'll walk, wake up in the morning and the joy of the Lord's our strength with a song. Thank God with a peace. Thank God with a hope. Thank God for the gospel. So God gives them up. God does. Romans chapter 1. God gives them over as they've left the natural use of the woman and the man. Verse 28 says these words, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, they did not want God in their knowledge. There's a rejection of God. So God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. That's what the Bible says. You know, I was in a meeting just a few nights ago, a Zoom meeting with some other ministers, and then there was a time of sharing. And one minister was just so heartbroken. He says, I need to share this. I just was so disturbed. He says, I met two teenage girls. They were just young girls, maybe around 13 or 14 and as he stopped to speak to them and share the gospel, uh, one of them said, well, I, I, I'm, I'm a lesbian. And the other one said, I don't know what I am because I haven't decided or found out yet whether I'm a boy or a girl. I want to tell you what that is. This is no reflection on that kid. That's the spirit of the age. That kid needs the touch of God in her life to bring her to the knowledge of Christ, to know who she is in Jesus, that he has created her. Either he's created us a boy or he's created us a girl. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't need to do a degree in biology to work that out. When Isaac was born, our last, there was a beautiful... Do you know sometimes you have a witness with someone, you, but he must... He just, he was just a real, there was something about the man. He was an African man, and he was the one that was responsible for just bringing Isaac. 
just up out of Nicky's womb. And he was the one for taking him away for a few seconds. And, uh, but he came back, and as I stopped and looked at him, there was something about I just always remember, I remember Isaac, of course, as well, but don't forget you, we Joseph, we never forget Joseph. Um, but, <laughs> but there was something about the, the man. I don't know why, you know, sometimes, maybe it's just there's something spiritually about him. I, I just, I had a sense he was a believer. I didn't get talking to him because of all the, well, you're just standing with your eyes wide open going, <laughs> what do we do? You know what our guys are like. But, but he just brought Isaac over and he just had him away for maybe 10 seconds, 20 seconds. And he says, sir, you have a beautiful baby. I tell you something, you're either born a boy or you're born a girl. Friends, it's tragic that you'd even need to strip it back to something so basic in society. But there'll come a day when they'll be so deluded, they'll believe that to be a lie. This little girl didn't know whether she's a girl or a boy. That's why, brothers and sisters, those of us who are a bit older, there's a generation that I don't think that we fully understand or grasp, and I'm saying this maybe for me, maybe not you, but really what is happening in that world that is coming up behind us. We're not really grasping the influence and the profound influence that it, is, that it is having on this young generation. And if the Lord tarries, that generation are going to be the generation that are going to lead our grandchildren as politicians and going to look after them as doctors and so forth and have influence over them in the workplaces. And you might think, well, like I've sort of lived my life and it's time to hang up the coat and I'm Friends, I want to tell you there's a generation that we need to pray for. You know, I was sent a, a, I was doing this message and I was going through it and then somebody sent me a, a, a the YouTube, the clip, one of the YouTube things. And if it's more than three minutes, it's very unlikely that, that I'll get the chance to watch it, just for time's sake. But it was a three-minute or so. I said, well, I can do the three minutes. Anybody remember the Muppets? Anybody remember the Muppets? <laughs> Sorry, me watch the Muppets. I have no idea what's on Kids Junior TV. I really, because obviously I don't watch it. I didn't mind the Muppet Sprint. <laughs> but I have no idea where this is, but the Junior Muppets Disney show, anybody know, any parents heard about it? You seen it, Chloe? So Gonzo, anyone remember Gonzo? So I'm going somewhere with this, by the way. Is this, this is, so the subtlety of the influence on your children Oh, we'll just throw them down there, put the pad in front of them, keep them quiet for a bit, let them watch Disney. 
But Gonzo's now Gonzarella. And so he's decided that he didn't want to tell everyone, but we're all for you, Gonzo. Miss Piggy's standing there, and she's saying, Gonzo, why didn't you tell us? And it's all done in cartoon form of great music, and everyone's having a great laugh. And Gonzo comes out in a dress. And then they say, you see, the subtlety of it all is, and I know there's nothing in it, but you see that influence is coming into every avenue of our lives. And the subtlety of it is this, well, we'll get rid of that old book the old way in which you're supposed to come to the ball. We'll get rid of the old and we'll bring in the new book. And Gonzo, we'll just love you the way you are because it doesn't matter what you are. You be what you want to be. I've no idea what this one is called Blue Clues. There's another one, a junior one. Anybody heard of Blue Clues? I, I haven't a clue, by the way. But Blue Clues... But these are popular children programs. I'm saying this because it's important. Well, what they have in it is a full-on gay uh, a, a pride parade. And the singing and the songs, and you can have two mummies, and you can have two daddies, and you can be trans as a family, and everything's all wonderful. And, and kids are all sitting there watching this in their droves with their 90-inch TVs, and that's been influenced and pumped in the kids, pumped in the kids, pumped in the kids. And then we wonder what's happened to our society. Can I tell you something, just very, something very basic? Every person when they're born, you're either born a boy, you're born a girl. That's offensive to people. You're either born a boy, or you're born a girl. It's scientifically proven. But the spirit of the age is coming to the point where they're going to believe the lie, but believe that to be true. This is frightening. This is sobering. But this is very real. This is the world that we live in. What's happened? I want to tell you what's happened. The spirit of the age has infiltrated the minds of many who have rejected God and rejected truth, rejected Jesus, and now there's a delusion that has come, and that delusion is overtaking the most of the world and the society in which we live in. You're crazy for believing what you believe. You're a bigot, you're homophobe, you're trans, I don't know many phobes there is, but you're all of that. Friends, could I tell you it's nothing further from the truth? Why? Because the hope of any man's life is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The confusion is not God. It's the spirit of the age. Truth sets a man free. That truth is Jesus Christ. You don't have to live in the depths of your sin and your agony and your torment and all of the spirits that come, the lion spirit, that tells you that you're something that you're not. God has a purpose and a plan for your life through the power of the cross to save you and to bring you into a covenant and a relationship with Jesus and to have a purpose for your life that you can live this life in the joy and in the victory in Christ. And he has a plan for you. He may have a partner for you. If you're a woman, he has a man for you. And if you're a man, he has a woman for you. 
That's God's purpose because he created Adam and Eve. In Luke chapter 17, I'll come to a close in a moment. In Luke chapter 17, the Bible tells us there, Jesus speaking in verse 28, Likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat and they drank and they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. We know in particular that Sodom is a type and there is an identity with the last days in which we're living that this world will be like Sodom and Gomorrah. The primary sin that was was infiltrating the society of that time was the sin of homosexuality. Homosexuality is a sin in the eyes of God. Thank God there's an answer for sin. The answer for sin is the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank God I was a thief. I was an adulterer. I was a fornicator. I was a drunkard. I was all of those things. But I thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ. And such were some of you. There's some in this room have been delivered from such things and such sins. And I know we don't want to talk about our past or bring up maybe some of the things that we were plunged into. But thank God he plunged into the depths of our sin and lifted us out. And Christ sets the prisoner free. Christ delivers a man from all sin, whatever that sin is, whatever it is. Jesus sets the prisoner free. The blood of Jesus Christ. If it doesn't cleanse you, friend, it doesn't cleanse anyone. But if it's cleansed you, then it can cleanse anyone and everyone. That's the power of the blood of Jesus. But this particular sin was the indication of the mark of the end. Christ was coming because there's a delusion. It's been given up. It's been given over. The spirit of the age. How we go to this church and our minister doesn't believe that. Our minister, he marches in the gay pride parade because he's inclusive. You're one of those bigots. Friends, I'm going to tell you it's far from the truth. We're not bigots. It's the love of God to set a man free. If you only knew the lives that are in this room and the lives that they've been delivered from and the sin they've been delivered out of, then you'd know. Thank God for the blood of Christ and the love of God. And Jude, it says that the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he has reserved everlasting chains under darkness, under the judgment, the great judgment day of the Lord, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication, going after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of an eternal fire. I want to ask you a question as I close. Can you identify and see the spirit of this age at work? Can I ask you a second question? Can you identify and see that the spirit of this age has had an influence in your life? It's had an influence in your life. It has infiltrated your mind. Some of the things that I've said actually has even offended you. You're offended by the things that have been said. 
Can I tell you, friend, tonight, there is truth. There is truth. I want to say that again. There is truth. And it's a truth that makes you free. Paul stood on Mars Hill, said, You men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious, for I pass by, and behold, your devotions I found an altar to the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship him, declare I unto you that God made the world and all the things therein, seeing that he is the Lord of heaven and earth. He dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worship with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. And he said, And I made one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth, and it determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. God is in control. That they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he not be far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold, silver, stone, graven by art, a man's device. The times of this ignorance God winked. But now God commandeth all men everywhere to repent. God commandeth all men. If you're influenced by the spirit of the age, his influence in your judgment, you've started to believe that which is true, that which is a lie to be true, sorry. Then the answer to all of that is that God, God commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Repent. There's a word we don't hear much of. Repent. Because he's appointed a day. Why should you repent? Why should I repent? That's maybe your reaction. Why should I repent? Because this is why you should repent. Because he's appointed a day. God has appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. Whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he raised them from the dead. God's commanding all men everywhere to repent. Repent and be saved. That's the gospel. Repent. Turn from your wicked way. Turn from the spirit of the age. Turn, because there's a day that he's appointed that he'll judge all things by that man, and that man is Jesus. Repent, repent, and be saved. Let's pray together tonight.